as America rises from its food coma here on 49er Wake Up, we welcome you, Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger. Good morning. Happy good day morning. after Thanksgiving. Larry, I hope you had a good one yesterday. The, the 49ers certainly did up in Seattle. They sure did. And they, that was an impressive win by the Niners. And uh, it was great to see. It was great to see. A very one-sided win. Um, but, you know, that third quarter, it was weird. It was like the Niners dominated the first half in the fourth quarter, and the third quarter was all Seattle's. Uh, but I'll give Pete, Pete Carroll credit to some degree. They could have packed it in. That first half was just for that. It was just ridiculously ugly. Muffing punts and, you know, I mean, it's just they looked really bad. Um, and, you know, they they could have tanked. Instead, they came out in that third quarter and they fought like crazy. They they played really well. They won the quarter 10 nothing. They made it a, somewhat of a ball game. And then the Niners got the dagger touchdown in the fourth, which was just an absolute purdy to IU dime. And uh, the Niners get out of there 31-13. It was really impressive. And I agree with you, man. You know, a lot of teams, and it, it happens. It's it's rarer to see in the NFL, but there are teams that make a choice to roll over and die. And at halftime, there is probably no more dominant first half that any team went through all year long. That's how much the 49ers beat the doors off the Seahawks in that first half. Third quarter, like you said, all Seattle. You know, tip of the cap to 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 intestinal fortitude of the team. Tip of the cap to future Hall of Fame head coach Pete Carroll. He he had him keep grinding. I said it was a three chapter game. The first chapter was the first half, and it belonged solely to the 49ers. They dominated right. in every conceivable way. Second chapter was the third quarter. That was all Seattle. They dominated a quarter about as much as you can, and then the fourth the level of the talent on that field found itself again. And it was, I wouldn't say all Niners, but it was loud Niners in the fourth quarter and a game that might have possibly could have maybe drifted back into the lane of, uh Oh, Seattle's back in this. It never really happened. It, it got close once or twice, but it never really happened. A 31 13 win for the 49ers Larry on a day where Brock was not extraordinary, but, the two Swiss Army knives that Kyle Shanahan has in his offense pretty much at all times, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, if you put them together, if we if we invented Debo McCaffrey, <laughs> Debo McCaffrey had a single best game of the season. The two of them were just a one-two punch that really never stopped all night long. McCaffrey especially, I thought, uh, as a runner, had maybe one of his best games. I mean, you put him on that fast surface, and there, there were several times there was, like, nothing there, and he just made it happen. What an incredible acquisition he has been, and you're right totally about Debo. I mean, Debo's just so physical. Seven catches for 79 yards, four runs for 15 yards and a touchdown. Just, you know, he's just – he's a – you know, both – it's all three of these guys – between Brandon Ayuk, who caught the final touchdown, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. This summer in camp, it looked like all three of those guys were going off. And as we get closer to the finish line here, it appears that, you know, they're all on track to, to do special things. They've already done some special things, especially Christian uh, and Ayuk. But I think all three could be just the key to this Super Bowl run. As soon as Jason Peters went out of that game, and boy, Chris Collinsworth dropped a couple of 
of broadcaster jinx on that game last night. They're praising Jason Peters. He instantly gives up a sack and gets hurt on the play. Uh, Collinsworth also dropped a, you know, Seattle needs to do something defensively right here. And that was the pick six uh, that Purdy throw last night. So Collinsworth putting his fingerprints all over that game. There's no doubt, but look, the minute Jason Peters went out, it changed the complexion of that offensive line. And that's when basically Nick Bosa looked around and he just said, guys, hot supper. I'll meet you at the quarterback. And they did a season high six sacks for a 49ers defensive line that Larry is playing better than at any point during its five game winning streak. Uh, Chase young did not have one of those, jumps out, you know, more of a nuanced game for chase last night, helping open doors for others to get through. Uh, but boy, do they work together. And this is a different beast with him on that defensive line. And one of the things that we talked about all year is that how this league has adjusted to great defensive line play by getting the ball out. It, it feels like there's less of that happening since chase young was acquired. And this defensive line is big. It's bad. And it is getting home. There's no more trying to interpret what went on with these guys. They're delivering the mail. Yeah, I mean, Chase Young, since Chase Young has shown up, Eric Armstead and Javon Har- Javon Hargrave have gone off. And that's just simply because you can't block all four guys consistently when they're this good and not have some kind of weakness. Somebody's getting a one-on-one. And Armstead, since Chase show- has shown up, has just been like the very best of Eric Armstead. So, and then Hargrave looks like he's getting it dialed up just in time to take on his former team next week. Seven tackles yesterday for Hargrave. He was great against the run. He had two solo tackles. He had one and a half sacks. He had two hits on the quarterback. The Niners on the day, six sacks, 12 hits on the quarterback. And if you want to say, what's the difference between the Niners and the Seahawks? It's the Niner D-line has whipped the Seahawk O-line in the last four games with Geno at quarterback. How many times you go back to uh, either the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, or the dessert tray last night, Larry? Um, I definitely had two helpings of the stuffing and the mashed potatoes. Strong, strong game plan. With extra gravy, though. You know, that's really the the, the key that binds it all together. Gravy. What are what are we animals? Of course, there's <laughs> gravy, of gravy, course. ladies and gentlemen, gravy. Well, the gravy that everyone has been waiting to pour all over this football season comes up next. This is 49ers wake up. We look at what just happened. We will be previewing throughout the next what nine days what is coming up. But we know what the target now is. And the target is Philadelphia. Philadelphia's got the bills coming up on Sunday. Now, look, the Bills are an up-and-down team. It depends on which Buffalo team shows up. There's a part of me, Larry, that would be interested in watching the Bills beat the Eagles only to take the stuffing out of them a little bit, but there's another part of me that hopes the the Eagles handle their business and we get this game set up the way that we want it. Two healthy, excellent football teams just going to war together December 3rd in Philadelphia, the site of last year's NFC title game, the site of Brock's injury, And not that these, I don't believe in momentum between games. I really don't. They all happen in their own individual vacuums. There is not a single play that was run in Seattle that'll affect that Philadelphia game. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, you cannot help but watch how dominant the 49ers have been. And if you like their chances going into Philadelphia, which I think we both did like their chances, but I'm not going to brag about how they're going to go win. I need to see it. 
Like, that's the thing. I need to see them beat the Eagles before I just assume it's going to happen. But, Larry, they're about as set up and prepared to go to that game and find success, especially with, we've talked about it, you give a coach 72 more hours than another coach, that's where wins can be found. You know, a coach who doesn't have the same amount of time as another coach, that's where losses happen, especially with a guy like Kyle Shanahan. So uh, it, it's just set up great. The The game that we've been waiting for looks like it's going to be delivered in the fashion we wanted to arrive in. Well, I, I'm rooting hard for the Bills this weekend because, um, one, you know, the gambling angle makes you think that maybe Buffalo's got a shot. If you said Bills are 6-5, and five, which they are, They've only won once on the road all year, and we're, you know, it's almost December. And the Eagles are 9-1 and one and undefeated at home. If I said to you, what's the spread in that game, what would you say, Damon? Or have you already looked at it? I haven't looked. Yes, I would guess. Say... Guess what you think the spread is in that game. And I already kind of teased that it teased well, it what, I, what I said before. But Philadelphia, what, Philadelphia 7.5? Philadelphia by 3 by three it doesn't read right that doesn't read right so it makes you think mm, maybe and then you look at buffalo's schedule there's no doubt if buffalo is going to go to the playoffs they gotta circle the wagons as they say because their schedule <laughs> is brutal yeah brutal absolutely brutal so i mean that's maybe maybe the bills can get it done it's in philly it's sunday at 125 i'll be watching that as as far as the eagles go um you know, you got to remember this. There's two things, you know, the Niners got to think of. It's the mental hurdle of knowing they can go into Philly and win a game, okay, which you want, you know, that's what the Niners really need. That's the next frontier is they got to kind of show everybody that they can go into the Phillies' yard and beat them uh, or into the Eagles' yard and beat them. Um, but, but the other thing is the battle for home field. So the Eagles are nine and one. They got a two game edge. So not only are the Niners going to have to beat the Eagles somewhere along the line between now and down in the final game of the season, the Eagles are going to have to lose again. And there's some other opportunities where they could lose. They play Dallas in Dallas, I believe. Um, but this Buffalo game, you know, maybe, maybe they, maybe they, uh, you know, they fall off here, you know, who knows? But I mean, when you see that three point spread, it's almost like Vegas promising you that's going to be a really close ball game. Well, and, and maybe Vegas almost looks at this as a trap situation with the 49ers coming to town. I mean, the 49ers are enough of an opponent where you can't help but take your eye off your target and look up and think, oh, man, they're on the horizon. Like, that's the kind of football that they're playing. By the way, you want to talk about tough schedules? Seattle. <laughs> Seattle, just you, we all saw what happened on Thanksgiving. They've right. got the Dallas Cowboys coming up, and then they got another date with the 49ers. Like, that right there is going to pluck that chicken probably – for the remainder of the year. How good, by the way, yesterday was Devin Witherspoon. I mean, I, I know, I know that, that, you know, the Seahawks didn't look like uh, much. And though uh, the rookie receiver from Ohio state, who I can't pronounce his name, had an amazing catch and Charbonnet in the second half. Jackson, What is it? Jackson Davis. In, or, uh, Smith. Jackson, Jackson Smith. Smith. In Jigba. In Jigba. In Jigba. Uh, he he had an amazing catch, and Charbonnet looks real. But, man, Devin Witherspoon, that's one of the best young corners I've seen in a long time. He made plays all night. 
that back of his fantastic. hand deflection. I don't even. I mean, I don't know how much would that is design or luck, but he he stuck his paw up. I didn't think his head was whipped around or he even knew where the ball was. But you know, you got to play that position with instincts, and that young man's got some instincts. Definitely. I I hope it is in your instinct, good viewer, to hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Larry, I know that you just went over a uh, a, a subscriber, what, landmark? Where, where are you now? 28,000. We cr- crossed the uh, 28,000 plateau over the weekend. Thanks to everybody who has What are we doing for 30? What are we doing for 30,000? Like, we got to get together. We got to celebrate that bad boy. Well, I'm hoping that we get to 30 before Super Bowl Sunday. That's the goal. Uh, we're doing a meet and greet on the 17th. Thanks to you. We kind of gave me, inspired me to do a Krug show meet and greet at pig and a pickle, um, in uh, court of Madeira for the Niners Cardinals road game. We're going to gather there at pig and a pickle from one to five and, and have some barbecue. Say how to Damon and Mary and root on the Niners and, uh, maybe have a couple, uh, a couple, uh, adult, uh, cocktails and uh, the plan is I, I we're all Bruce's are rolling into this, including the Duchess herself. My mom's in town. So I think we're all rolling up there for a little barbecue. Do I have and to I roll out real red carpet for, for the Duchess? Yes. We, <laughs> we very much expect that. Uh, uh, but uh, Damon, who I met, who owns pig and a pickle, that, that's, you know, normally great guy. I, uh, I'm always suspicious of other Damons. I'm very Damon dominant. I don't like another Damon in the room, but that's my kind of Damon. So I really, really like him and uh, can't wait to hang out with you that day. And hopefully we will be indeed be celebrating. Uh, Larry, I'm getting close to 10. It's getting awesome, closer man. and closer. It's it's ticking up. It's ticking up. I had a goal to get there by Thanksgiving, just shy of the goal. But man, we're tracking the right way. And that's a huge part of your subscriber base being nice enough to hit subscribe over here. Anyone who is following me but is not already subscribed to Larry, you are missing out on incredible inside-the-building content that really no one else provides, and it is wonderful to have you here. I was trying to think, what is our what is our combined seasons covering this team? I've been 18 years credentialed to covering the 49ers. How about you? Uh, uh, I would say 20... 20 uh 20 let's see it 26 so we're talking i mean the, we are close to 40 combined years of covering the 49ers and that's why i think 49ers wake up is a good show it is becoming more and more popular by the week we thank you for being here i know a lot of you got the day off i hope all of you have the day off but no days off in the world of sports especially when you're covering a team that's got legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. One uh, thought that on that today is what we call Black Friday. And so right now, um, you know, if you're in the chat and maybe you're in line fighting your neighbor for a chance to save $49.99 on a Samsung, uh, give us a shout out. We'll, 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 you know, we'll recognize the people in, uh, in those lines getting ready to shop. Damon, were you a, hey, let's go sleep in line at Kohl's to get a deal tomorrow? Kind of a Never. guy. Never, no, never, never, no. no even if, even if I've got a tent. I've got a tent in front of Best Buy in San Ramon, and I am going to get the blankety blank tomorrow. You know, in the middle of the night. No, I always, I always thought Black Black Friday to me was like distasteful. <laughs> I always thought that. Yo, first of all, hey, why not offer these savings 
over a time frame that allows people to shop at their own pace instead of having the, you know, I, I've always, I always thought like it was, it was like a less than fortunate people Olympics where you saw like nice old ladies put bricks in their purses and beat each other over the head for the last remaining cabbage patch doll. Like it's just, it's, there's something so gross about this rampant mass consumerism that I, it always like rubbed me the wrong way. Now, my grandmother was a total opposite. My grandmother loved Black Friday. Oh, my God. She would be my, my grandmother was the kind of woman who hit Black Friday. And then the day after Christmas on December 26th, my grandmother would be back out. And that's when she would buy all of her on sale wrapping paper for next Christmas. Wow. I mean, that's this wow. one. That was a generation that I know exactly what you're talking about, though, to another level. I, I in college, I, one year I worked at the Christmas store at Macy's, and sure enough, the day after Christmas, people were coming in buying tons and tons of ornaments. Yeah, all the stuff you need for next year. I'll take seven gallons of tinsel. Uh, <laughs> you got a gold garland and a silver garland. I'll take them both. I'll take them both. It's a wrap. I'm getting fifty percent off. Right? Yep. All right. I'll take, all, I'll take all the tinsel you got. I'll take see that tree right there. Every ornament on it. I want it in my, I want it wrapped and I want, I'll take it all. Thank you. Wrap it, ship it. Merry Christmas. Here's $8 to pay for all of it. <laughs> right. Uh, now, Larry, that, now that's staying ahead of the game. I mean, that really, really that's, 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 you know, we're playing checkers over here. They're playing chess. <laughs> what we have is uh, an awful lot to talk about from that game last night. But as always, Lawrence, we'll save our opinions for later. We begin with just the facts. 49ers are now 8-3. and three. Them's the facts. They got a two-game lead in the NFC West over Seattle. They've won 10 consecutive regular season games against NFC West opponents. And for the first time in franchise history, have won consecutive road games up in Seattle. So that's a pretty good place to start because this is still the best rivalry in the NFC West. The Rams, even with an NFC title game win over the 49ers, have not supplanted 49ers and Seahawks in my mind. And I don't think they have in yours either because we've just seen so much Shanahan ownage over Sean McVay in the regular season. 49ers and Seahawks always has that element of something weird could happen. And last night's game, was dying for something weird to break out. It, there, there was the special teams play was begging for something really weird to happen all night long. Didn't quite happen, but these two teams bring out the best in each other at times, the worst in each other at times. And it's a, it's a real rivalry, man. The rivers run deep. Well, no question. And you know, it's funny to me, the, there was uh, one of the themes of, of this game was the fact that, um, uh, you know, the 49ers didn't acquire Jason Verrett and have had cornerback issues and they're unknown about the two young corners and both in that first half, uh, you know, Samuel Womack down the ball on the two. And then you had uh, you had Darrell Luter Jr. chasing down D Eskridge, showing amazing uh, athleticism to make that tackle to save a touchdown. Those two young corners last night definitely stood out. And there were uh, there was another rookie that impacted his special teams play in a great way. Ronnie Bell jumped on a fumble that Ray Ray McLeod coughed up, and thank goodness he did that. That could have been a game 
turning moment had the 49ers not recovered that. So rookies on deck for the Niners last night. Uh, Just the facts. And I guess this is a little bit of an opinion thrown in here. But the fact is that that was not Brock Purdy's best game. When we sit around and we talk about all that Brock Purdy has done or might do this year, I bet you that game on Thanksgiving in Seattle isn't even in the conversation. Um, He was efficient, though. 21 of 30, you know, his completion percentage is always where it needs to be. He throws for 209 yards, a touchdown, and a passer rating of 86.7. The interception, the pick six, was a ball that he threw to Christian McCaffrey, and I'm sure Purdy would be the first guy to tell you that that needs to be two hands south of where it was. You know, that needs to that ball needs to come down, but the trip, the tip drill began and in the only touchdown that Seattle scored, Purdy unfortunately threw that one away. But it was, but for that moment, I thought a very good, very efficient, sort of a just wear beige and blend into what is going on here. And what is going on here is a running attack with McCaffrey and Debo that is, you know, like I said, really coming together. Yeah, I mean, Purdy made a number of plays, obviously, and he com- completed 70%. Wasn't his best game in the pick six, obviously, um, was was the, the biggest negative. But, you know, it was really almost like back-to-back passes there that were bad. Those were, I thought, his worst passes of the day. But overall, I mean, the 49er offense in the first half, I mean, the defense was fantastic the entire game. But the 49er offense in the first half had, you know, what, 24 points and 200 and something yards, the 224 yards, um, you know, it was an impressive offensive performance, but not Purdy's best. McCaffrey's 11 rushing touchdowns this season are the most by a 49er running back in a single season. What? Like, I couldn't believe that. Uh, the, the glorious history of the San Francisco 49ers, it was Frank Gore's 10 touchdown season. There might have been another name on that list, too, who had 10. But McCaffrey, the first running back ever to punch in 11 touchdowns rushing. Uh, his 16 total touchdowns this season are also the most ever by any 49er running back in the history of the franchise. Again, this is just the facts. Here comes a little opinion. But I also think it's a fact, Larry. This guy is one of the single greatest weapons this franchise, which invented pretty much offensive weaponry in the 80s and redefined it. He's one of their greatest players of all time right now. If his career ends tonight, Christian McCaffrey goes down as one of the single greatest San Francisco 49ers to ever put on the uniform. I mean, I just feel privileged, man. I've been, I've watched his entire career. I mean, I was doing the Stanford pregame show when he was at Stanford. He had a bowl game against Iowa that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Um, and the Niners swung and missed in the 2017 draft. They, they took Solomon Thomas third. This kid went eighth. I know John Lynch has probably been kicking himself ever since. And he found a way to write that wrong. And you knew when they traded for him last year, Damon, that not only was he going to have a good year last year, but that the next year, this year was going to be like, oh my goodness, maybe the bust out greatest year of McCaffrey's career, because he was finally in a place where everything worked and where he was totally comfortable. He is just fit in so perfectly, and you're seeing the best of a great, truly great football player. And I can't wait to see what he does next week against Philadelphia. He had that amazing touchdown run against the Eagles last year in the playoffs. Maybe he can be the difference maker in Philly next Sunday. So many talking head shows 
you know, are, are trying so hard to just jump with both feet right into a who's your MVP conversation way too early. Again, we, it's not even Christmas yet. Everyone calm down. It's too early to talk about MVP. But when we do, I think Christian McCaffrey will be the only non-quarterback legitimately in the conversation. And I think he will be in the years, the year-end conversation for MVP. No doubt. No doubt. He's having that kind of a year. Um, it'll probably wind up going to a quarterback. Let's be honest. It always does. Seems like it's become a quarterback award. Um, but he's having an amazing year. And to me, it's it's the cutting, uh, the vision, the I mean, it, watching him right now is just he can catch the ball to the backfield. You can isolate him. What I saw last night, the best I've ever seen him uh, was the pick and slide where he's reading blocks and he's weaving in and out and that, and he, to, and he's always, he, we know he's explosively fast. He can get to the edges, hit, you know, quick hitter inside. He can be gone. Lots of great second and third efforts. But as far as that natural pick and slide that the great running backs have, it's been somewhat of a work in progress. I thought yesterday, last night was the best I've seen him just kind of weave through the defense and that's next level stuff for him, man. 19 carries, 114 yards, two touchdowns on the ground to go along with five catches for 25 yards through the air. McCaffrey's 11 rushing touchdowns and five receiving touchdowns through 11 games make him just the fifth player in NFL history and the first in my lifetime since 1975. I was born in 75. He's the fifth player in NFL history and the first in my lifetime to record 10 or more rushing touchdowns and five or more receiving touchdowns through the first 11 games of the season. In other words, he is off to the single best dual threat running back start that we've ever seen. And in our lifetime, starting with Roger Craig, evolving into, you know, Edron James and Marshall Falk and Ladanian Tomlinson. Um, this guy is having a better year this year than any of them had through 11 games in any of their glorious hall of fame careers. And uh, he is just ridiculously special. And I, I look with all due respect to Brock and the quarterback and the importance of that position, I think Christian McCaffrey is the most important player on this team. He just, there's, there's no one that can come and do what he does regularly. Although it was nice to see Elijah Mitchell involved running very well. And you called this out, Larry, a couple of weeks ago, you said, you know, Elijah Mitchell's almost been undone because he hasn't been put into leverage situations and he doesn't get everybody's best or it doesn't just, it, it, it wasn't the moments where he needed to really shine. He's been put into some high leverage moments and he's thrived in them over five yards per carry last night for Elijah Mitchell. So that's a good sign. Oh, he's, he's such, he's such a nice player. I mean, he's got four, three speed, uh, yesterday, almost, almost six yards a pop, um, seven carries for 39 yards. He had a 13 yard run. He's got great instincts. So he's a great short yardage runner. If you can, if you can keep the bodies off of him in the backfield. Uh, he's not the biggest guy, but he's got great feel between the tackles. Forget he seems like he almost always gets what it's blocked for. Whatever you block it for, that guy will get that, and then some. He always finishes falling forward, which is a running back coaches love that. He does not fumble. Knock on wood, that continues. But that goes back to Louisiana. 
Um, you know, he, he can catch the ball. I mean, he's he's he, the, his main problem is he's a smaller back who's kind of got a big man's game where he runs between the tackles. Um, and you wonder about durability long term, but if he's healthy and right now he is, he's really really good. And Kyle likes to use him, Damon, as a finisher because he doesn't fumble and he does have great instincts. Um, and if the, if you see the 49ers in any kind of big situation going forward, get a huge second half lead, you're going to see them throw Mitchell in there for a few carries because he's very dependable. Um, and, you know, as I said, won't turn it over. I'd still like to see Mason get a little run, but now I'm officially like splitting hairs of complaining and you know, there shouldn't be much complaining when you're winning I, three games I agree. In a row dominantly. Yeah, I agree. I I agree. I, I like to see Mason too. Uh, I think Mason, I know Mason has big time potential. I see kind of a poor man's Marshawn Lynch with Mason. And I think he's an untapped deal. And I think if, if they had him and could spring him on a couple of runs and just kind of show everybody that, Hey, you know, this is a three-headed monster at running back with all bases covered. I mean, I think the Niners have tremendous talent at running back, and I'd like to show off all of those guys because I think they're all a little different. Um, and also, when a team shows that they've got three guys who they can be successful running it with, it it makes it it makes it puts even more pressure on a defense because it's like oh my god they just got a can full of guys and we're not even talking about Debo who's also a great runner you know Ayuk Ray Ray Kittle all these other weapons that they have um, you know how to me the play of the freaking year was the I, I mean if you want to talk about how a box score is deceiving. Go look at the Niner Seahawk box score from last night and look that Jawan Jennings had one catch for seven yards. He had one catch for seven yards. It was one of the, the best highlights of the season as he like outdueled four different guys to get a first down when there was no way in hell he should have. So that that was an all heart play. If Jennings seven yards were a newborn baby. It would have come out with a full beard wearing a suit. It was the most mannish seven yards I've you're gonna find on a football field this year. You're right. He was he was all man, all that is man in those seven yards. That was that was huge. Uh 49ers scored a touchdown, Larry, on their opening possession for the seventh time this season. They've scored an NFL high 52 points on the opening possession of games this season. I've always said opening drives at, at the beginning of games coming out of halftime and, you know, how do you play out of a bye week are a, a real litmus test for coaching. And it just shows you how much Kyle can dial up some real trouble for teams when they're just, you know, acclimating themselves into the game. The coin just landed on the ground Are we're underway. Next thing you know, you're backed up to your own 10 yard line and the Niners are having this incredible opening drive. Once again, happened up in Seattle, the 49ers scored three rushing touchdowns in the first half with the most in a half um, that the team has scored since 2021. Brandon Ayuk has now scored a touchdown in three consecutive games for the first time in his career. Uh, he got out of Seattle with two catches, 50 yards, and the back-breaking score in the fourth quarter, which was among the most beautiful passes that Purdy threw all night long. And even though this is more of a special teams fact, I'll put it into the offensive fact just to save everyone time. Jake Moody, 32-yard field goal, and perfect on all four points after touchdown. 
Again, we didn't we didn't use the name Jake Moody in the game, which means he has a good game. Larry, we didn't really use the name Jair Brown in this game, which means he had a good game. Yeah, and and to me, you know, the exciting thing about last night's game, and there were a number of really exciting things, but the exciting thing to me is the way you're seeing the depth of this defense bubble up. Now they've got Chase Young. Now because they've got Chase Young, man, Armstead and Hargrave inside look incredible, and Bosa's going off. But that second D-line of Cleveland Farrell, Javon, Javon, uh, Javon Kinlaw, Kevin Givens, Randy Gregory, they're doing nice things. And then you've got, you know, Greenlaw looks rejuvenated, um, you know, from the bye week. But, you know, Warner and Greenlaw are tremendous. But now you've got, you know, D. Winters starting to pop up and Flanagan Fowles and Burks are making an impact. And then you look at that secondary. Yeah, they lose a funga. But Mooney Ward, who I thought went down with a serious injury, but then it was just cramps. But you got Mooney Ward, Tayshawn Gibson. But I'll tell you the other thing is that now, you know, Womack and Luter, and I'd even mention Ambry Thomas. I thought that interception that Ambry Thomas had yesterday, Damon, was showed that he is a potentially excellent player. I mean, he there's not that many guys who have he's physically everything you want he in some ways ambry thomas is the is the physical prototype of what you're looking for in a corner and i see why they drafted him so high his talent is off the charts and that interception was phenomenal so you look at lenore's young he's playing well ambry's young he's playing well jair brown's young he's playing well looter looks great womack looks great um, they, you know, they may have lost George Odom and I don't know if people are suggesting Quantra's night, but, uh, Odom has a, I think a, either a fully torn or partially torn bicep. So they may lose one of their all pro special teamers, uh, for the year. We'll find out more about that later today. But to me, um, the, the special seeing the depth of this defense and seeing Ambry Thomas, and some of these young DBs kind of show themselves. All these guys can play. Womack can play. Ambry can play. I, I really believe what I saw from Luter. Luter can really play. So maybe, you know, not getting a corner. And we'll see. Maybe the Niners say they still want Jason Verrett. Maybe they'll go for Verrett. But their defense is starting to look really special. Why do you think it took the coaching staff so like it, it several games into this year to start trusting Ambry Thomas and turn to him as a solution. It's a great question. I mean, I, there's some, maybe there's some inconsistency to his, to the way he prepares. I don't know. Um, he's had some moments where they're, they're less than stellar, but I mean, I'm just talking about if you're looking for the physical prototype, this guy played at Michigan. He ran a four, four flat. He's six feet, 190. That's like an ideal size for the corner. He's there. You know, you heard Wilkes or he Wilkes told us last week or the week before that, you know, he likes Ambry in the run game as a run defender. And then you've seen what he is as a pass defender. But to me, the highlight of his of his career was last night because he ran the way he cut that route out route off and jumped it. It was and and got the pick and then got his feet down on the sideline. I mean, it was a tremendous play. Tremendous well, he's made, play. 
back-to-back games with tremendous plays. Remember, he nearly had a 98-yard touchdown return, you know, just a week before. So, um, uh, sideline violation flag. But it was uh, it was it was a good game for the 49ers defensively. Six sacks up in Seattle. First time that they've had six sacks or more in a game since week five of last season. Nick Bosa with five tackles, two and a half, uh, two sacks of Geno Smith. He's now got eight on the season, 51 in his very young career. He's fourth on the franchise's all-time sack list, and he is a half a sack away from Ahmad Brooks at number three all-time. So I like his chances to be the 49ers' third most sack artist um, by the end of the Eagles game, hopefully. 49ers' defense has held opposing offenses without a 100-yard individual rusher in 38 consecutive games now. That is the longest such active streak in the NFL. And look, Seattle didn't score an offensive touchdown. The Seahawks' first five possessions gained a grand total of 15 yards. And that's tough to do to anybody anywhere. And it's really hard to do to Seattle up in Seattle. It that 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 crowd is uh is 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 a great crowd. And and I'll tell you, 49ers fans, Larry, they've taken over just about every single stadium that the Niners have played in this year. Niners fans didn't take over that stadium last night. Seattle will not let that happen up there. There Seahawks were an awful and, lot of people there. Oh, sure. though. There were there were a lot. There were did a lot. The, more than, did you more see the video else. of the parade of Niner fans walking into the stadium? I just saw it this morning. I was like, wow. I but I didn't hear them like I heard them in Pittsburgh week one. No, it's, it, there weren't enough of them to take that green highlighter color that that's the worst uniform in football and and just turn the place red. I mean, the 49ers go and play the Rams, and they're sitting in a red stadium down in Los Angeles. The 49ers in, you know, the, it's it's a lot of red everywhere. Jacksonville, that entire stadium was red, for goodness right. sakes. So, um, you know, look, all due respect to the Seahawks. Like, that's a legitimate football team. That's a legitimate franchise. They got great fans that are passionate, that don't sell their tickets to the opponent. And those are the kind of football fans that I respect. I really do. They might be a little nouveau riche for you old school diehard Niner fans. But look, the Seahawks are this team's chief rival. And you always want your rival to have a level of gravitas to it. Because why are they your rival? It's because they can come out here and do the things that we do. And I've always respected the Seahawks in the Pete Carroll era. And I think a lot of 49er fans might have hated this team and been frustrated, but with an element of respect baked in there too. That is a, a well-run team. It truly is. And then look, last year was supposed to be the, and they're gone and we never have to hear from them again. And they were a playoff team with Gino in the first year, you know, I mean, uh, it's a good organization. It I is. Mean, and let's be honest. I mean, John Schneider is a very, very good general manager. Um, He's been there for a while. Him and Pete do a really good job. Pete coaches the team. John picks the talent. And, you know, I mean, look what they've been able to do. I mean, um, you know, DK Metcalf in the second round and, you know, building up their offensive line last year, Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross. Last year they went to the playoffs with two rookie tackles and, you know, and two rookie corners. And look at the way they draft in the secondary with, Kobe Bryant and Devin Witherspoon and Tariq uh, Woolen and some of these guys. Uh, Boye Mafe was a second-round pick. I mean, they, they they do a nice job. They've rebuilt their team. They're aggressive. They're not there yet. They don't have their quarterback. Um, 
We'll see. If this team, I'll tell you what would scare the hell out of me is if the Seahawks got Michael Penix. If the Seahawks wind up with Michael Penix and the way it looks like looking at the mock drafts, I think Penix is going to go top 10, maybe top five. Um, he's, you know, going in the 20s in a lot of these mock drafts, and they'll clearly have a pick where if they wanted to take Penix, they could. Um, I don't know. That That's an April conversation, but that would scare me if the Seahawks with those receivers got Michael Penix. As good and as much tip of the cap of respecting we have for the 49 or for the Seahawks, the 49ers just whooped their ass in that first half in, in a big way. But for one special teams play on Seattle's first kick return of the game, I, I thought, Larry, that was one of the single best starts in any Kyle Shanahan game that he's been coaching the 49ers, it was 14 to three on the scoreboard. It was basically 150 yards gained to zero in the first 17 minutes of the game. In the 18th minute, Ambry Thomas gets that interception that we were just talking about. Then you had a punt pin Seattle at the two yard line when points weren't found after the Ambry Thomas interception, but a great special teams play right there. Wisnowski has just got some English that he puts on his ball that has made it hard to catch and easy to pin down. He is, he's an A-plus punter, there's no doubt. Seattle got one first down on its first four drives. See uh, The 49ers punching a touchdown on that McCaffrey twirling run into the end zone. The guy's legs just never stop. It's 21-3 to three at that point. And with three minutes left in the first half, the Seahawks had one first down and had run 14 grand total plays in the game, in the half. Um, and then the 49ers got their special teams break of the season when Charlie Warner, again, Charlie Warner, rearing himself in this game. He also had a catch in the game, which is rare for Charlie. But uh, uh, he was a big part of the fumble on special teams that was recovered by Ronnie Bell, and that turns into a field goal before halftime. So instead of just being up 21-3, you're now up 21 points. And they just, again, they, they whipped the Seahawks in a fashion where I thought this team might quit at halftime. And full credit to Seattle, they didn't. But that that's about as, as, as hard as you're allowed to beat a football team in a first half of a football game in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the, the halftime box... Niners, 16 first downs. Seattle, three. The Niners, 225 yards on pace for 450. The Seahawks in the first half, 56. 56 total yards. Uh, the Niners in the first half outrushed them one, or uh, let's see, outrushed them 92 to 18. And. And uh, I mean, even that close, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we're plus two in turnovers. So, yeah, the 49ers destroyed them in the first half, um, you know, and, and what can you say? I mean, it was a, it was a complete strong effort across the board by the 49ers in the first half. And then, you know, Seahawks kind of circled the wagons. But Brock Purdy in the first half, 15 of 20, 134 yards, only the one sack. McCaffrey in the first half went for almost six yards. A carry. Debo had five catches for 70 yards in the first half. Debo has these halves where when he has a monster half, the 49ers look like the best team in football. Think about Debo's first half in the Super Bowl 
against the Chiefs and how what it would have looked like in that game if he could have replicated that in the second half. Instead, in the second half, he got two touches. Um, it was an amazing first half, though, in the Super Bowl. And yesterday, he was amazing in the first half. So, yeah, the 49ers, it, at halftime, it was a complete beatdown. Um, and then and then the Niners took their foot off the gas a little bit, and uh, Seahawks came out with some intensity, and um, I expected they would. They weren't gonna they weren't gonna turtle up. Uh, they were gonna come out fighting, and sure enough, they did. And then the Niners put them away. I mean, look when you got Pete Carroll whipping gum just indiscriminately behind him. I wonder how many people behind Pete Carroll have been hit in the face with a wad of gum coming out of Pete's mouth. I mean, he just, we whipped that thing. Didn't look at all where it was going. <laughs> you know, who did that back in the day was Dick threw gum into the stands at candlestick. And he was getting heckled something fierce and he just took out his gum and hurled it into the crowd. There's something really vile about that, by the way, you know, that's, I, that's yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want anything in your mouth on me at any point in time, <laughs> like my single, Greatest fear is when you're having an in-person close talk with someone. Maybe you're eating or something, and a little bit of the food in your mouth goes flying out and lands like somewhere on their face. Like that is as bad as I think I feel as a human when that happens. Well, yeah, that's a bad one. That's a bad one. The the question is, do you call your shot? Do you be like, hey, right there, you, I, I, yo, yeah, I, no, you got to come admit it. You got to be. No, like, that have just, you ever been talking to somebody? And then you're on the receiving end of that crap, and then you just you just pretend like it didn't hit, didn't happen. Just like, oh no, I, just, I can't let that slide. I always have to be like, we all know what just happened. Whoa, right? hey, what the heck is going on? But <laughs> I, I've had a couple of those conversations where you know you've been on dates, maybe your date, a little spittle hits you in the cheek. You know, you could blow up the entire conversation right there. Or you could just kind of go with it. So you got to kind of, and you got to make it. You got to be able to make quick decisions. I think you know, it's kind of like a running back reading the hole. You know, single, you get that spittle. You got like a nanosecond to react. Either I'm going to react, or you know what? Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to lose this battle, but I'm going to win the war. I still remember the worst dating moment of my entire life. I mean, it's it's burned into my brain. I'm sitting there after a high school dance at a friendlies, getting Sundays after the high school dance, and I even remember everyone at the table. It was Jason Christiana, Alicia Patrick. Kimberly Durrani and me and Jason, who was my buddy, made me laugh. And I like laughed so hard with ice cream in my mouth that like ice cream and boogers and just everything came out of my nose. And I like caught it like the, oh, it was the worst. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't hit anyone. Might have got a little on Kim. Let's be honest. We didn't, we didn't really date much after that night. But um, anyway, Larry. Luis Fuentes in the chat says, Larry, if you see my comment, say what's up. Luis, we see you. What is up? And then he drops this one. 809 in the chat. Hit the like button. Well, that's, I mean, that must be a few weeks, a few uh, days ago, because now there's over a thousand in the chat. That's so, very nice. Good to have everybody in the room. Uh, it over on my channel, we're north of 200. So, again, it grows, it happens, and 49ers wake up. Is I, Larry, I don't even think I'm exaggerating. I think this is the most viewed day after 49ers show in the world, much less from the Bay Area. I think we're global at this point. So, congratulations 
to the both of us and everyone watching here today. It's great to have you in. Hopefully Thanksgiving was great. Hopefully it's a day full of leftovers and some fun football. Tomorrow we got Michigan, Ohio State, for goodness sakes. We get NFL football today. And we We got a Black Friday game. You're right about that. And Um, the rumor is is that they floated the this one with the kind of the idea of uh, trying to kind of push for late in the year, either Friday or Saturday action and cancel Thursdays because the Thursday ratings have been garbage. Really? Well, here's the thing. The problem with the Thursday ratings is you got to go to an app. That's why they're to me. Yeah, you're right that I'm not really interested in, I'm going to want to watch like a Warriors game or some NBA game on a flip back. And when you put on, you know, if you're just watching Amazon, I just can't hit flip back. And it, 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 it sends me, I watch less Thursday night football when there's something else on than I ever have. So, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. It's going to be a fascinating experiment today though. All the targeted advertising that Amazon will do through your purchasing habits. Like there are going to be targeted ads coming directly to you during commercial breaks where you are going to be able to put that item in your Black Friday shopping cart. So this could really, this is this is the future. That's the future of, ma- of mail shopping is you just sit there watching a football game and be like, that. I'll take it. Art, click, push. Honey, yeah. I went shopping. You said you wanted to go shop. Here, I'll watch the game, and I'll just shop in between the timeouts. This is the future of sports and commerce, and there's there we're, t- today will be a grand social experiment, which over the recorded course of human history, we've never quite had before. So, is it, are some, are we can be like Wall E or something. What was that movie? It was like that. It was like a statement where everybody in the future they were like laying in a chair, just yeah, sipping like, things. Buddy, like yeah, they're. <laughs> get me that and it was wally which by the way is charming and all he wants to do is hold that robot's hand the whole movie larry put a little (laughs) tear in my eye um okay back to debo samuel because you're right when the niners look like a holy shit football team it's always a game where debo is heavily involved last night Seven high, uh, a season high, seven catches. So he was more involved in the passing game last night than any other game that he had been involved with in, in a couple of years almost. Four carries, 13 yards, not a grand total, but an untouched touchdown with a two yard rushing touchdown. 49ers first of the game. And just to let you know that there was a dedicated, like Debo is all over this game plan choice made by Kyle Shanahan. This wasn't Purdy just hitting open targets. There was a choice to get him super involved. He even attempted a pass, Larry. Like, that's how much Debo was involved in this game plan. He and was smart enough to throw it away to not take the loss, right? Exactly the point that I was going to make. Oh, okay. one, of the best, one of the best passes of the night was the one that Debo decided, this trick play isn't there. Instead of me getting buried for a four-yard loss, I'm going to make the right quarterback decision and just get rid of this ball. For whatever reason, Ayuk didn't pop open. Um, and 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 I don't know if that was Ayuk not having the play or if that play was called at the line or, or how it changed. But Ayuk didn't pop open, and Debo made the right choice. It's one of Debo's best games of the year, bar none. And when the Niners 
are at their holy shit level scariest. Again, it's a game that he is really thriving in. He is, he's someone who we've criticized. I mean, I'll, I'll keep the we out of it. Larry, he's someone that I've criticized for vanishing sometimes in games. And he has. Debo is a better all-around player than he is just pure wide receiver. And when he is involved all the way around, it's when he's at his best. And when he's at its best, the Niners are at their best. Well, he, he enables the Niners to do th two things, be explosive and take care of the ball. Um, he had That was his second highest output of the season last night. He catches seven passes for 79 yards on nine targets. But the Niners checked it down quite a bit last night. And, you know, um, he, they can find him on that second level. They can also hand it to him. You know, you can create touches for him if you want. And he's a tone setter. He's a true physical tone setter. I mean, when you think of the 49ers on offense, in a lot of ways, he's he's part of what makes them kind of super dynamic because he'll he's he can run away from you or through you. And it's it's uh, you know, when he's going, his game unfortunately causes contact, or fortunately, whatever way you want to look at it. Um and those and that contact sometimes leads to nagging injuries. But man, if you could if you got a healthy Debo juiced up, gassed up, watch the fuck out, man. That guy's un unfreaking believable. By the way, true blue forever coming in with a Wally shout out. It's a great movie. It really is. Uh, Larry, we are uh, almost ready to slip into hour number two here of 49ers Wake Up. Again, you could start your day any way you want to on a day off. Thank you for starting it with us. It's wonderful to have you here. It's good to see you once again. Obviously, everything in this football season is gearing up to what is next for the 49ers. This game in Philadelphia, Larry and I will be previewing it. Uh, Larry, are we coming back with the 49ers wake up on Monday where we're going to just start waking up and looking at the, the Eagles? Absolutely. We're going to double, we we're double dipping this week. We're going to bookend it like uh, Shanahan loves to score before the half and then get the ball coming out of the second. That's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap around score this weekend. So a 49er wake up coming to you on Monday. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the Eagles. And we will we will save all that because this is about what happened up in Seattle last night. Larry, I see you've been starring. You've been uh, looking at some supers. Let, let's hop into the chat. What do the people? What do the people want to talk about today? Elite Archer says, "Larry, your BFFs of the Niners won in spite of Purdy." Crazy talk. Uh, Jason Lutz. People keep doubting Brandon Ayuk. He's been on a tear since you said he was disappointing. Also, is Ambry turning into a guy, or is he blowing coverages still? First of all, on Ambry, Ambry is turning into a guy. Yes. As far as Ayuk, all I said, to quote myself correctly, was that I, I Larry Kruger, based on what I'd seen this summer in training camp, which was maybe as good a wide receiver player as I've ever seen since Jerry, was disappointed halfway through the year at Brendan Ayuk's touchdown numbers solely. That was the point. The rest of it was just back and forth garbage. The truth was that was the point. I said, you know what? Here we are eight games in and he's got two touchdowns. I thought he was going to have last year. He had eight. I thought he was going to have 12 to 15 right now at the halfway mark. He's on pace for four. And I'm like, I'm surprised and disappointed. Um, and since then, yeah, he's got, I think four more or three, five. more, 
45 catches, 881 yards. Five total. Five touchdowns with three coming in the last three games. First time in his career, he scored touchdowns in three consecutive games. Larry, He's, He's awesome. I mean, I never said the guy was bad per catch. Nineteen point six yards per catch for Brandon Ayuk. He is. Yeah. He oh, is you could see it this summer. The first degree. He is. He this summer he was the greatest I think I've I've seen. High ball, low ball, in out. He acted like every ball in the air. It was like personal. Right. He caught uh, everything but COVID in training. I mean, he was amazing. Uh, Keith Murphy, unbeaten, says, "Let's give Wilk some love." Yeah, I mean, Wilkes' defense. But, you know, this is what happens when Greenlaw gets healthy. They add good, faster, younger DBs who start to play well, and then you add Chase Young up front. That's what happens. You're going to get better. I don't think it's about Wilkes on the sidelines, but you know what? If if it helps, God bless it. Uh, Mike Baker said, just asking, Grant said Kyle lost confidence in Purdy after that interception. But I think that last touchdown pass to Brendan Ayuk more than made up for it. Agree? Um, I absolutely would would disagree with the idea that Kyle lost confidence. There is no lack of confidence in Brock Purdy from Kyle Shanahan. There is not a single play. There is not a game that can be played, whether it went north or south, that will change Kyle Shanahan's opinion of Brock Purdy. And here's Kyle Shanahan's opinion. He loves that kid. Oh, well, I mean, did you see him in the uh, the pre- postgame presser? Kyle was once again asked, is Brock Purdy an elite quarterback? Is he a Super Bowl quarterback? And Shanahan says that, and of course, Shanahan is a real football guy uh, who's not afraid to run from a topic, said he hates the entire conversation. He hates it all. Uh, He was asked again whether Purdy's a Super Bowl quarterback, and uh, Purdy went 21 of 30. So we're talking about 70%, 209 yards, a touchdown. He had the interception that was run back for a, for a touchdown. He said the words elite and Super Bowl quarterback, I mean, this is the NFL, Kyle Shanahan said in the postgame press conference. You've got to have a really good football team to even have a chance to get there. And when you have a really good football team, you better have a really good quarterback. And when you do that, you still better have luck with injuries, and you still got to play good defense. You got to do everything. There, there have also been a lot of great quarterbacks who haven't won Super Bowls, and the only ones who do don't win them on their own. They've got to be a really good team, and they've got to have a good defense, and there's so many things that go into it. I always kind of hate the conversation. I mean, it it, it really is. It's like, um, you know, there's a whole faction that won't believe in Brock Purdy until he wins the Super Bowl, but you know what? That's okay. It, I get the feeling that that all you know that negativity works in Brock's favor because this is the this is a kid who plays the game with a you know a major chip on his shoulder so i think the doubters fuel him so keep doubting if you're a doubter just keep on doubting because he's he's fueled by it and he and it it, it motivates him um and that's a great thing that's what you need a young talented motivated guy with a chip on his shoulder uh, is exactly what the doctor ordered. Um, and we've got this one as well from James Foster. He says Mitchell can do what CMC can, uh, does in the offense, so Kyle doesn't have to change the game plan when he comes in. Mason is a north-south runner and with no hands. <laughs> I don't know if he has well, no hands. Yeah, I wouldn't say no hands 
And I also would say that north-south runners are always a good thing. I, I, I've never heard a north-south runner being used to disparage the way a, a <laughs> running back uh, ran. Um, but I hear what you're saying. There is more, you know, the Venn diagram of of he, Elijah he means- Mitchell and and Brock or uh, Christian McCaffrey's talents are are more of a perfect circle than they are uh, between McCaffrey and and Mason. But I do think that Mason just provides a changeup and a pitcher's, you know, a fastball's best friend is a changeup. And I just think he's a changeup. He's a, he, he's a great trap runner. He's a one cut and go monster. I think is what James is saying. He doesn't have the pick and the slide of weaving in and out. He doesn't read things and he's not, he doesn't have a lot of subtlety there, but he, this guy moves the pile. He's two thirty and he's freaking fast. You should get him at least two, three carries a game. Sean O'Leary says, Got coming in the 20 spot. I mean, coming over the top rope with the 20 spot. Look at Sean. Sean's flexing on us, saying, I got cash. I got I got cash to burn. He says, got to admit, when I'm wrong, I didn't like the Chase Young trade because I felt they needed to shore up the secondary, but that improved rush improves the back end, too. Also, nice to see uh, can, um, Mooney Ward with a clean game. Yeah. No doubt. Sean, I'll agree with you on every point that you just made. I didn't dislike the Chase Young move. I just didn't think it addressed what was the biggest concern, which was a concern in that secondary at the time. But it is, you know, like Kyle's quote was intimating. Um, it all works together. This all fits together. It's a football team. You know, you shouldn't evaluate it as a football player. It's a football team. And this team fits very, very well together. And his point on Mooney Ward I, he might have had his best game of the year, Larry. I mean, he was, well, you know, really- he's made, I think the Niners, when they signed Mooney Ward, they were thinking DK Metcalf because he's the perfect guy to shut down Metcalf. He is the anti-Metcalf. Metcalf, because where what's Ward struggle with? He struggles more with the guys who at the top of the route get really, they, they can move a lot. They get great body control and react to the ball. Metcalf's more of a full speed glider. He doesn't make a lot of cuts. A lot of go patterns and and uh, you know Mooney Ward's big and fast and can run with him and he's he's like made to defend DK and DK he's done a great job against DK and that's that's part of the reason the Niners have turned the tide here in this matchup and have won the last last four is that he kind of has ownage right now a little bit on DK.